listening to audio from Community Bible Church. If you would like to find out more information about us, please visit us at cbcsavannah.com. If you have Bible or your app or your iPad, go ahead and turn to the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew. We are in chapter 6. And we are finding ourselves continually in the Sermon on the Mount for a couple weeks more. Uh, and uh, we're working through a, a familiar passage today, one that many of us have read or heard before, uh, but I think one that is very appropriate for us. This is uh, one of my, our favorite games. I don't know if you can see, I guess, the, if I lift it up. This is the game of life. Any of you have played the game of life with your kids? This is one of the few games we can play uh, that doesn't get, you know, get fist fights. You know, you play sorry, and then there's a fist fight. Like you bump them back, or you, Monopoly, Oh, that's like a, asking for a family fight, right? Don't, don't make that deal, you know. This is one of the few games that you can play and there's not a fight. And it's very simple. The premise is very simple. You get your little car and you put your little guy in it or your gal, all right? And you go to the start and one of the first things you have to do is you have to choose a career path. So you either choose to go to college and if you do that, you, have, you postpone getting paid, all right? Or you can go right into the career field. But see, if you postpone, uh, if you go to college, you have the chance of becoming that doctor, picking that doctor or lawyer card. You're like, yeah, that's the one because that brings the most money in, right? Uh, and eventually you just work your way through and you, you get pick up pets and kids and you maybe have twins and you get sued and there's all sorts of fun stuff here, right? Lawsuits and you know, surgeries and you work your way around and finally you come to the end. Where's the end here? There. And at the end you have a choice, right? You can go to Millionaire Mansion, or Countryside Acres, depending on if you're like an outdoorsman and you, gotta, you just want to dove hunt the rest of your life, you go to Countryside Acres. If you're like, okay, I just want to live in the, you know, the hot tubs, you go to Millionaire Mansion and you wait for everyone else to retire. And at the end, you just add it all up, all the loot that you've accumulated throughout your little wanderings and the one with the most stuff wins, right? That's, that's how you win the game, the game of life, right? You spin the wheel and you try to get stuff. And we know, okay, that's just a game. That's not how life really works, right? I mean, it's very obvious because in this game, when you get to the end, you get money for kids and pets. And you know, if you have kids and pets, you don't get anything for that. You give. It's, you're throwing money out the window. Pets, kids, right? So, so we know it's not real. But yet, the reality is this. Some of you are living your life like this. And you're playing by these rules. He who has the most stuff wins. Spin the wheel, take the card. Ooh, look what I have, $10,000. And what Jesus is going to say today is, is stop playing the game. See, this is an, un, if, you're, if this is your life, this is an unwinnable game. In fact, the only way to win is not to play. Remember the old war games movie for the 80s people, right? At the, at the end, you know, they're, they're trying to teach the computer Joshua that there's no way to win nuclear war. And so how do they do it? They, they get him to play tic-tac-toe against himself. And so he plays tic-tac-toe so many times that he realizes this is a strange game. The only way to win is not to play. And that's the only, the only way you can win is to not play the game. And that's what Jesus is gonna say today. Stop playing the game. And what he's gonna do is real simple. He's gonna give us three tests to help you identify. Are you spinning the wheel? Are you playing the game? And then he's gonna tell you, if you are, here's how you get off the board. Here's how you stop playing. Here's how you live life and not play the game, right? So that's where we're going. And we're gonna look at verses 19 through 34. And, and it just comes down to an age old issue. It's not new to us. 
may feel like it's just very relevant. It's not new to us. The disciples are facing it. Moses, Abraham, it's, it's been around since the beginning. It's the issue of materialism, right? It's, just, it's materialism. And I know some of us are like, oh no, we just bought a new car. <laughs> Honey, I know we, we were gonna get the new cabinets, but we can't do that now because we feel guilty about, we're taking a vacation. We just bought the Disney tickets. Oh my goodness, we're so bad. Just chill out, relax. This is not a, oh, you need to go live outside and, be, and give all your money away sermon. This is not a guilt session. Materialism, if you, if you look at it, really has little to, or nothing to do with how much you have, how many things you have. It is much more about how much things have you. That's the issue. Because this, materialism is a spiritual condition of the rich and the poor alike. Like everything else, it's a heart issue. If you're leaning, depending, trusting, hoping on outward things and possessions and the fame and the status, they may bring you, they provide, they're gonna bring you peace and satisfaction and joy. That is a condition of the heart. That is what we're talking about. Things are not evil. They're not wicked. Stuff isn't bad. In fact, the apostle Paul reminds us, he says, for the rich, which would be us because we live in the richest country in the world, you have, if you have a house and a refrigerator and a car, you are loaded. Right? He says, for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. If you have stuff, that's fine. God gives stuff for you to enjoy. You got you know, leather seats to have the seat warmers, great. Enjoy it for that one week that it's cold. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. But there is if that's what your hope is. There is if that's what you think is gonna bring you significance. There is if that you think is gonna bring you peace and happiness and satisfaction. And so Jesus is gonna help us diagnose, are you spinning the wheel? You playing the game? Right? He's gonna give us three tests and there's a test of twos. Some of you all math nerds got all geeked out this week because it was two, two, 22, right? You're like, ooh, I'm gonna dress up with my twin and we're gonna do stuff, great. Here's in honor of that, Jesus is gonna give us three twos each test is a test of twos to show, are you playing the game or not, right? And so we're gonna jump into those first. Let's look at the first twos, two treasures. Here's your first test. Verse 19, do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Why? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now this is not an admonition of don't save, don't work hard, don't have a retirement. None of this. The scripture is clear about all those things. It's wise to save. It's wise to have an emergency fund. So this is not about that. And it's not actually an anti-treasure passage. This is not about don't have treasure. This is not self-deprivation, be a monk and go live. No, he actually is pro-treasure, isn't he? He says, I want you to lay up treasure. I'm for you laying up treasure. The, the point is not, not don't have treasure. The point is, where is the treasure? That's where he lands, right? And if your treasure is here, if it's linked to stuff, a new this, a better that, upgraded this. He said, if you're trying to win the game, he says, you're gonna lose. Because all the stuff that's here, the stuff you're so geeked out about, the stuff that you've been stoked, you've been saving for, the new model this, the new this, all that 
He said, that is, that is a bad investment. It's got a shelf life. You're like, I can't wait to get that new car, right? Rust and moth may not get it, but your kids certainly will. You're like, I'm gonna get new floors and new cabinets. Great, the dogs are waiting for it. I'm gonna save up for a beach house. Awesome, the salt air and hurricane so-and-so's are coming, right? I gotta gotta save up this much money in my bank account before I can retire, great. Inflation, guess, right? Your body. So my so, yeah, I'm gonna take care of my body. I got my, that's great. Take care of your body. Be healthy. Absolutely. But one day you're gonna sit down, eat a bowl of Rice Krispies, and you're gonna pull an elbow muscle or something. Just <laughs> lifting your spoon, you're gonna be like, I don't know how that happened. Why? Because it's a losing battle. It, it's, it's a, there's nothing here physically that's not gonna end up at Goodwill, on eBay, or in a landfill. Right? There's nothing. In the end, that's where it's headed. And Jesus says, it's a bad investment. So don't store up stuff here. Where? Store up, lay up stuff. Where? In heaven. A place that lasts, a place, no rust, no moth, that will live forever, right? I mean, we've looked at this in Peter, that, that you have a salvation that has been reserved for you, that's protected by the power of God. Right? So that, that's where he says, now I want, you to, I want you to invest. I just want you to invest there. Right? And what Jesus is doing is illegal in America, but it's very good theology. He's participating in what we call insider trading. This is what put old Martha Stewart in jail so she could knit in jail for a couple months, right? He's telling you where the market's going. He's telling you in 1997, get involved in Amazon right now. Right? This is where it's going. This is what stock is going to blow up. The kingdom stock. You want to be a spiritual bazillionaire? Invest in the kingdom. That's, that's going to last. And we'll talk about what that looks like in a little bit. But he says, lay up treasure there. And it, and it comes back to the principle. We talked about it last week. You will stand, I will stand before the judgment seat of God. And it has nothing to do with how much money you have in your checking account. It's what you did with, how, with what you had. Because in the kingdom, there's gonna be people that were very rich here that are gonna be very rich in the kingdom. And there's gonna be people that were very rich here and they're gonna be very poor in the kingdom. There's people here that are very poor that are gonna be very rich in the kingdom. There's people here that are very poor that are gonna be very poor in the kingdom. Nothing to do with how much you have, it's what you've done with what you have. I mean, these guys have nothing. Remember, he's talking to the disciples. Okay, they're broke as a joke. They just left their jobs. So he says, but you can have treasure in heaven, right? If you lay up treasure there. And then he, and he says this important piece right here. Four, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There's a couple of interesting things about this little verse. Number one, he moves from the plural. He's been saying, y'all store up treasure. Y'all don't store up treasure right here. He's been using the plural. Now he moves singular. It's like the Holy Spirit is saying, okay, We're not talking about your spouse. I'm talking to you. I'm not talking about your community group. I'm not talking about your pastor. I'm talking to you. You, where you, where your treasure is, your heart is, it's gonna follow. The other interesting thing is it's kind of backwards of what we think. What we think is where my heart is, there goes my treasure, right? So if my heart is a boat, I'm gonna follow it with treasure because everyone knows that a boat is a hole in the water in which you put money, right? 
And, and there's some truth to that, but, but what he's saying is, no, no, no. Your heart follows your treasure. Your heart follows it. it, it your treasure determines the direction of your heart. It doesn't just reveal it, it determines. So where your treasure goes, your heart will follow. Randy Alcorn in his book, The Treasure Principle says this, as surely as a compass needle follows north, the heart will follow treasure. If I want my heart somewhere, all I need to do is put my money there because your heart will follow. Here's what Craig Grossell, pastor says, the average Christian in the US gives about 2% of his income or her income towards helping people and advancing God's kingdom on the earth. That means that the remaining 98% goes to the world, which means that 98% of our hearts go toward the world. If you catch yourself wondering why, what you, why you want more of the world and you're not satisfied with God, it's because you have a spiritual problem. We think that more, that spinning the wheel is going to make us happy, and it won't. Your heart will follow your treasure. So if you're you, if you want money and I want to go to the Alps and I want this and I want that, your heart is going to be greedy and it's not going to be content. If your heart is uh, to be honored, to be liked, to, to be popular, then your ambition is going, to be, is going to be the drive of your heart. If it's pleasure to feel good, you're going to compromise your morality. You're going to pursue a self-indulgent lifestyle because that's, that's where your heart goes. It's just, it's just the way it is. Whatever your treasure is, your heart will follow. And what Jesus is warning is stuff is powerful. Possessions, money are powerful things. They shape the direction of your life and it's a bad direction. It is a bad investment. So don't make your treasure here. That's first S. And you wanna know? Just follow the money. Where's your money go? Where's it go? Because that's where your treasure is, right? It reveals and it determines. That's the first two. Second two is two eyes. It's two eyes. Look what he says. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? And this is a very ancient kind of cultural thing that's going on. It's kind of confusing. But in their mindset, your eye determined the rest of your body. So if your eye was healthy, you were 20-20 vision kind of thing, then more light was let in and your whole body was full of light. If you kind of had 20-40 vision or 20-60 or there was some dimness, then the body followed the eye. That was their idea. And this is, a, this is actually the way the Old Testament reads too. So a generous person was said to be a person that has a healthy eye, right? So the Proverbs say, whoever has a bountiful eye, some translations say a generous person, will be blessed, right? Free shares his bread. If you were stingy, if you were selfish, the stingy man, literally the Hebrew is, is the evil-eyed man, uh, hastens after wealth and does not know that poverty will come upon him. And so it's the idea is how are your eyes? Are they healthy? The word healthy actually has this idea of singularity. Are you focused? What is your perception of what is valuable? Are you seeing Clearly, because your outlook determines your outcome. Your perception determines your pursuit. It's the way it is. And again, he's warning. He's warning. He's saying stuff is powerful. It has the power to, to fog your vision. And if your vision is fogged, the rest of your body is fogged. This is why some of you, you're like, man, if we could just, honey, if we could just make $15,000 more a year, we could figure that out. If I could get a raise, if I could get this, then we would be made in the shade. How many of you have ever been there? You're like, man, we make this much money. If we just made 10% more, we would be good. And then you get the raise. You get the 10%. You're like, man, praise God, we got the raise. And nothing changes. And you're still stressed. Like, what happened? 
your eyes are foggy, your perception, your value, right? Because you're not thinking treasure in the kingdom. It's what more can I buy? Well, I'm gonna spend it. We're gonna go out to eat more. We're gonna do this. We're gonna do that. It's an eye problem. So Paul says, if you have been raised with Christ or since you've been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. For you have died and your life was hidden with God in Christ. Seek the above things. Pursue the valuable things. It's an eye test. It's a treasure test, right? And then there's one more. It's the, it's the two lords. The two lords test. He closes saying this. No one can serve two masters. He either will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot, underline you cannot, serve God and mammon or money or stuff. He said, you got two choices. You can serve God or you can serve money, but you cannot serve both. And we get this in our, you cannot be a Georgia Bulldog fan and root for the Florida Gators, right? You understand this, right? You know, I don't understand. I could care less either way. But you are like, no, that's evil. They're evil. Alligators are evil, right? Because there's just something you can't serve them both there's no way you will love one or hate one. And what Jesus is saying is you can serve a heavenly father who loves you, who's intimately knows you, who provides for you, who wants to bless you, or you can serve money which doesn't love you, will actually cause you to be blind, will actually leave you. You can serve one, but you can't serve them both. You can love the world and the things in the world, but if you do, John says the love of the father is not in you. And so the test is, who do I love? Who's my Lord? Who's my master? And not all of us would say, oh, Jesus, my Lord. Is he? Because we're going to say that because we're in church. But is he? You want to know? Check your eyes. Check your bank account. Is he? Are you giving 2% and you got 98%? It's, it's a real easy test. Where's your time? Where's your treasure? Where's your talent go? And that's what he's saying, right? That's what he wants you to know. And, and, and before we get into his solution, I, I just want to remind you, I, I know we've, a lot of us have heard these passages before, store up treasure in heaven, treasure in heaven. Y'all, this is real. The Lord Jesus is, is, is speaking to us, his followers, and saying, you will one day stand before me and you will either suffer loss or you will hear, well done. This is not some pie in the sky thing. This will happen. Jesus says it. What are you gonna do with it, right? How are you gonna handle this? Are you gonna be like, yeah, that's great and just leave and go continue? Or are you gonna start thinking, man, I I have a short window. Are you gonna keep spinning? You're gonna be like, well, man, what house can I get? Oh, man, I didn't want the ranch. Oh, the city penthouse, that's what I wanted. Where are you gonna go? Because it's going to happen. As certain as the return of Christ, as certain as the resurrection, as certain as everything he said. And he wants us to grasp this before it's too late. He wants us to grasp this before things go sideways. Because we, we, we start feeling the tension here a little bit when things go sideways for us, right? You think the Ukrainians right now are really worried about their cars? Man, I wonder how the car's doing back at home. No. They're running for their lives. They're not worried about the, the windows or the countertops. Right? And we get this when, when you get that cancer report or there's a, a car accident and we hear a car accident and we want to know how that person is. Or we stand at a funeral. Right? Or there's been a bankruptcy or, or a loss somewhere. I've, I've preached many funerals. 
And I've never had family members get up and be like, oh, Uncle Bob. Uncle Bob had the nicest truck. Everybody, oh, isn't that a great truck? Let's talk about Uncle Bob's truck. Oh, Uncle Bob sure knew how to dress. Had the nicest outfit. Look, I mean, look at him. He's in his nicest outfit right now. Doesn't he look great? Oh, Uncle Bob. Nobody cares at that moment, right? No one cares. Think about the top five memories in your life, whatever they were. Maybe it's when you got married or got engaged. Uh, maybe it was when you had your first kid or you graduated or, or you know, when you saw your kid graduate, whatever it was. How many of that was, had to do with stuff? Honey, do you remember when we got those granite countertops? What a day. What a day. I mean, remember we slept on those countertops for like four weeks. It was so nice. Remember that, remember that car that I got? Oh, that car was so great. No one does that. That's not one of your top five memories because we, we understand it. And, and what Jesus is trying to get you to see is, is see it now. Before you're, you're whining around and you're, you're planning to put things in the back of your car and you're filling up your storage units and oh, now we gotta get another storage unit because let's get the climate controlled one because yeah, we definitely need all our furniture to be comfortable so that one day our kids can sell it. Get it now. And so the question is this, then how do we do this? We live in a material world and let's be real. We have bills. I got bills to pay. You got tuition. You got car payments. You got student loans. You got medical debt. You got mortgages. You got rent. That's real. So how do we live in a world where we have all those things and not be consumed to lean in, to desire more. How do we do that? Well, Jesus is gonna give us two commands, one negative, one positive. Let's look at the negative first. The first is this, real simple. Stop worrying. Stop stressing. Stop being anxious about stuff. Look what he says, verse 25. Therefore, and when we see therefore, we ask what the therefore is there for. In light of what I've just said, store up treasure in heaven. Check your eyes. Can only serve one master. In light of all that, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. And he defines what, he, what life for, for these people is at this point. What you will eat or what you will drink or about your body or what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And the answer is, of course it is, right? Of course it is. But yet, why are you so worried? Why are you so anxious? Oftentimes, anxiety is a mark of preoccupation with material stuff that has a way of choking out everything else. So you're waking up in the middle of the night, you're, you're, you're worried, you're thinking about it. And he illustrates it for him. He's like, look at the birds. You can imagine, he's sitting there on the side of this hill, the disciples are around him and the birds are kind of fluttering. He's like, look, look at these birds. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't gather in the barns. They're not like, oh man, we gotta store up some worms and we gotta get climate control place so we can store up climate control worms. And oh, how are we gonna make a nest tomorrow? And how are we gonna find grass? And how are we gonna find twigs? What are we gonna do, honey? I don't know, I don't know either. Oh, they're not spazzing. He says, your heavenly father feeds them. And it's an argument from lesser to greater. It's a logical argument. If God feeds the little birds and they ain't stressing, they're sleeping their little bird self away. Are you not more valuable than them? And the answer is, of course we are. Of course. He says, so why? If they're not stressing and God feeds them, what are you so worried about? Is, that, is God not gonna meet your needs? Right? And he says, and, and which of you being anxious can add a single hour, a, a, literally a cubit, an 18 inch space. You can't add a hour to your life. He says, 
Worry does nothing. Is worry stretching your bank account? Is worry helping with inflation? Is worry making the doctor's report go away? Is worry making your kids be successful? Is worry doing anything? No. In fact, it's hurting you. Stress, high blood pressure, heart issues, sleep issues, IBS, all these fun things. Is that what you want? Yes, I said IBS in a sermon. It's all right. (laughs) Headaches. Right? Self-medicating to cover. I got to take pills to fall asleep. I got to take pills to get up. Binge watch this to not think about this. He says, no, it didn't work anyway. So why do it? And why are you anxious about clothing? So funny. How many emails I got about original jams after last week's sermon? Some of you are like, oh, right. I Googled that. I've, the original jams website was like, man, we got to expand. Some people in, in Savannah, Georgia are really interested in us. And some of you are like, I have no clue what that is. And so I should have been more relevant and been like, okay, if I would have said Lululemon, then you'd be like, oh, I get it. Okay. I can't wear exercise clothes from TJ Maxx. I can only wear Lululemon, right? Because I can't exercise in TJ Maxx. I can only, that's the same idea. He said, why are you so worried about Lululemon? You're all Lulu'd out. Spend $180 on a pair of socks and you're so worried about it. (laughs) He says, consider the lilies. Look at the grass, look at the flowers. Again, they're sitting on the side of a hill. Look at the flowers. They don't toil, they don't spin, they're not worried. They're not like, oh, I gotta look pretty tomorrow. I gotta look pretty tomorrow. I gotta look pretty tomorrow. And then Solomon can't even compare. All his glory, all Solomon's money, all he riches he had, all his nice clothes don't compare to a flower that's here today and gone tomorrow. Why are you so worried? Are you not more important than, than grass and lilies? If God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, that's temporal. You are, you're eternal. You will live forever somewhere with God in heaven or apart from him in hell, but you, you are eternal. If God cares about the grass, doesn't he not care about you, he will clothe you. It may not be in Lulu, but you're not gonna run around naked. You're gonna be fine. So stop stressing, right? It's useless, it doesn't work, right? Stop spinning the wheel, right? And this is why, by the way, this is a side note, but evolution is an affront to a God who creates. Because it's, he, Jesus is saying, look at these things. I've provided these things to teach you, the grass, the birds, they're to be teaching. And we're not supposed to look at, 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 a, at a woodpecker who's banging his head on a tree and be like, wow, that's amazing how over millions of years, those birds just kept knocking into that tree and, and they kept dying until one day, one of them finally made it. And then he evolved and then he, he, he brought all these woodpeckers and look at the eagles and they're soaring to the sky. Isn't aerodynamics great? Man, the principles of evolution are just great. No, you're supposed to see those things and say, wow, God is so wise and so powerful that he creates this and that and this. And it's supposed to point to him. And to say it just happens because something blew up and all of a sudden a woodpecker came out and started hitting the trees is foolishness. He's supposed to see God's glory in his creation. It's supposed to reveal and show, hey, there's something greater than me. I wanna pursue that, right? And so even Jesus affirms that. But then he says, don't be anxious. Saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? What shall we wear? Just stop. This is what the pagans, this is what Gentiles, this is what those people who live on this board are after. And you cannot be salt and light if you're moving around, oh look, twins, yay! Another dog, boo, yay! You know what I mean? You can't be a light and salt if this is what you're doing. 
driving around trying to fill up your little minivan with stuff. You just can't do it, right? You're, the Gentiles seek these things. Your heavenly father knows you need them, right? And I, and I love how he closes the section, closes the sermon. He says, don't be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow is anxious for itself. I love the honesty. Look, and today is hard enough for some of y'all to just get to church. So stop worrying about what you're gonna do tomorrow. Just deal with today. This is why he says, pray that, that God would give you your daily bread. Don't worry about tomorrow's bread, today's bread. Stop stressing about all these things. What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? Just deal with today. Tomorrow's got enough problems. Just deal with today. Trust God today. But notice he says earlier, uh, you're, you, there's a little faith. This is an issue of faith. Go back to verse 30. He says, oh, you of little faith. The, the issue of materialism is a faith issue. That's all it is. It's you're saying, God, I don't really know if I can trust you. I don't know if you really care enough to provide. I don't really know if you care enough to come through. I don't know if, I, if, if you really are, are, are paying attention and, and if, if I know that you really care and love me. And what Jesus is just putting his hands out and saying, really? See these scars? See my side? Father saying, really? I sacrificed my son for you. How much more can I give? You can trust me, I'm good. I will meet your needs, right? I'm not necessarily excess, but I will, I will meet your needs. Just, just chill and stop being anxious. So that's the negative. What's the positive command? It's real simple. We know this verse. It's to prioritize the kingdom. Prioritize the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God. And circle that word in your Bible first. Seek first the kingdom of God. Why? Because that's something that lasts. That, that will be around forever. This is the stock that you wanna pour all your resources into, your time, your treasure, your talent, into the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things will be added. God will take care of these things. You focus on the kingdom, kingdom living. You say, how do I do that? Well, he's already told us a little bit last week. Pray in secret, give in secret, fast in secret, and you will be rewarded by your father who sees in secret. So your relationship with God matters. Pour into that. There's only three things. What you wanna do is you wanna invest your life in things that will be around in a thousand years. So think about what in your life right now will be around in a thousand years. Only three things. Only three. People will be around in a thousand years, living somewhere for eternity. The word of God, the grass withers, the flower falls off, the word of the Lord endures forever, and God himself. Those three things will be around in a thousand years, and in a million years, and in a bazillion years, and in whatever the next mathematical term is, which I don't know and I don't really care. Yeah. Those things will be around. So you wanna invest there, pour your time, your treasure, and your talent into people, the word of God, and your relationship with God. Those three things. And there's, I could go on, we could talk for hours now, applications. And I don't have hours, I got about seven minutes. So let me just give you some thoughts, okay? Let me talk about your, your treasure. Be generous with your stuff. Give, give. You're like, I, what does that look like? Here's what I would say. And whenever, whenever I do premarital counseling, I, t I have couples do a budget. And what I challenge them is this. I, I want you, I think it is biblically wise to give 10% as a starting point, to save 10% as a starting point, and to live off 80% of what you bring in. It's a 10-10-80 principle. 
You're like, I don't know if we could ever do this. You know why? Because you bought a house you can barely afford. That's why, right? Let's be honest. If you would have bought a $50,000 house, you could do this. Because I was, my treasure was, I had to have five bedrooms instead of three. Right? And I'm not anti five or three. I'm just saying, this is a good starting place. And so if you're a young single and you're like, okay, uh, you know, this, uh, this is helpful. Start now, start now. Give 10%, save 10% and live off of 80%. Because look, God doesn't, he's not want, he doesn't want your stuff. Just, just a reminder, God doesn't want your stuff. God doesn't need your stuff. Your 10%, Oh, wow, that's 10%. That's a, I, we really need that money in heaven right now. I mean, thank you. It's like my dog, my dog Maverick. He, lo- he loves me. He lo- it's, he's the best dog in the world, right? And yesterday he brings his bone to me. His bone is nasty. And he's, he could see smiling. He brings his bone to me and he drops it at my feet. And I'm like, I don't need that. I don't want that. But I, then he jumps up in my lap and I'm like, this is what I want. I want to give you a hug. I want to love on you. See, that's what God wants. He wants your heart. He doesn't want your, your, your bone. That's what it is. He's like, oh, you're, yeah, yeah, that's $700 you just gave. That's great. I don't need $700. What am I gonna spend it on? Right, I'm gonna go, go buy a new universe. I mean, what is he gonna do? <laughs> Everything's his anyway. What's your heart? So, so be generous. I would suggest this. The first of what you get in, you should, you should give off of. Because what ends up happening, most of us, is we get our paycheck and we pay all what we owe. And then we're like, oh yeah, we got Netflix too. We got Hulu and we got this, and we got, we got like $13 left. And we're like, okay, we can either give the $13 or we can go to Wendy's. Well, God doesn't really need our $13, so let's just go to Wendy's. That's where we go. And so I would say, give off the top. Whatever that looks like, give off the top. And invest it in places that have eternal significance. That's why we, we believe that you, when you give to this church, we believe it's a significant internal investment. Not because we think we're so great, because we're giving 30-something percent of our money away in this year to missions and outreach globally and locally. And, and if, when you give here, that goes there. When you give here, you are helping us plant our church in Richmond Hill. You're helping the de Guzman girls in Ukraine and our folks that are in places we can't tell you because it's dangerous and all that. You're part of that. You're, you're giving here, we're giving to thrive and you're saving babies' lives. That's eternal value. So it's, it's, it's just having that perspective. And if you're like, okay, I have this and I wanna give that, but I also wanna support young life, great. They see teenagers come to faith in Jesus, give to them. Or maybe feed a kid, uh, an orphan somewhere, because God has a heart and a passion for widows and orphans. So you go through feed, Food for the Hungry or one of these organizations that will provide a meal for 40 bucks a month, right, for these kids. Or maybe you adopt someone from a place like the Ukraine or, or uh, just an orphan somewhere. I, there's, there's a thousand million ways in which you can invest your treasure in kingdom. So do it. Pray about it. Do it. I'm not gonna tell you, God, God will tell you where to do it. What are you passionate about? Do it, right? What, here's another way, Be, simplify your lives, right? Simplify, we have stuff. If you got three storage units, where are the furniture? This, that's, that's, you're just causing a nightmare for your kids one day, right? Give it away, sell it. Give the proceeds to some ministry. Give, sell the pro, you got three storage units, sell one of them. Give the proceeds to S- Samaritan's ministry. I can tell you, Samaritan's purse and ministry, they're gonna be in, uh, in the Ukraine before everyone else. They just are. I don't know how Franklin Graham does it, but he's on the ground before the uh, army is. And they're gonna feed kids and they're gonna meet needs. Give it to an organization like that. Give it to Wycliffe. You, we do uh, you know, one translation here. You can do that. You can give money to a, a translation yourself. Just invest in the kingdom. 
Simplify. And, and that, I mean, your schedule too. Some of you are like, oh, I just can't do a community group and I can't do this because I got supper club and I got this and I got that and this. And you really don't even like four of those things, but all your friends do it. So you feel like you have to do it. If you don't like it, you're out. You know you don't like something when they cancel it and you're like, yes, no supper club tonight. Then why are you in it? Don't do it. If your kid hates the soccer team, you hate the soccer team, quit the soccer team. You don't have to do it because everyone else is doing it. And then use that time for something else. Simplify, right? Be content with what you have. It's a way to store up, right? You don't have to do all these things because everyone is. Figure out what you're passionate about and go do that, right? Meet the physical needs of this person. Prof Hendricks used to tell tell us in seminary, don't look to spend your life, look to invest your life. The idea is is fascinating. Spending your life is this. Oh, look, I got this. Investing it is looking at places that I can have an impact with my time, my treasure, my talent, right? And he he used to tell us, don't look to make a big splash. Everyone wants to make a big splash and jump in and do a cannonball and woo, look at that. No, he said, look to make ripples. Like when you throw a little pebble in a lake and it's that ripple, it's not, you don't notice it, but it goes all the way to the other side. So when you make little investments and little ripples spiritually, you may not see big impact, but those things go all the way to the judgment seat of Christ. You pray for your enemy, those who persecute you. Didn't Jesus just say that? That's a little ripple. It's a little ripple. You give secretly to this need. You got an extra house, an extra car, an extra this, and, and instead of renting it out one week, you give it to this single mom and she can't ever afford a vacation and you give it to her for free. She can go to Tybee for free for a week, something she'd never do. That's a ripple. That's a ripple. Right? You give a ride to someone, you feed someone, you give to the poor, you feed a, a homeless person. These are ripples. Let me say this too. This is moderately controversial, but I really don't care. If you're a young parent, let me just encourage some of you young parents, some of you folks that don't have kids yet and you're going to, plan so that you can stay home with your kids for a long season. I'm just telling you. I, 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 know, I, know, I know this is controversial. This is not meant to be like some patriarchal thing. No, you only have a few. I mean, my kids, I got two out now that are in college, and I got two more, one in eighth grade, one in 10th grade. I'm telling you, it's fast, y'all. I mean, it's fast. I'm like, I just, I, I had babies yesterday. I just got married. No, you've been married almost 25 years. It is fast. You only have a couple years with those kids at home. You can go without the nicest Honda Odyssey. Your minivan is not that cool, I promise you. You can drive the five-year-older car and have a little bit smaller house. The, the opportunity for you to invest with those kids when they're young instead of shipping them out and the best years of shaping them and pointing them to God and being with them. Yes, I know it is. My wife stayed home. It is a hard deal, ladies. I get it. Changing, it is thankless. Changing diapers, clean it up. It is, but it's an investment in the kingdom. I'm telling you. And if you're gonna email me, fine. I'm not gonna change my position on this. I've seen it. I can, I'm telling you, it's not worth it. Just buy the smaller house, wait on the newer car until the kids are a little older you got plenty of time to work a job. And who, I mean, how many people wake up on Monday anyway like, can't wait to go to work, yay! Right? At least you get to stay in your jammies all day, right? It's, it's an investment. And I just want to encourage you in that way. All right, volunteer your kids. School. There's a thousand ways. Just, let's just not spin the wheel. Let's not be pursuing. See this right here? It says $10,000, right? You're like, that's not real money. You're right, it's not. But you know what? If you had 10,000 real dollars here, you know how much it would be worth in the kingdom? 
the same as that piece of paper. No one cares. No one cares how many zeros you have in your bank account. No one cares what your net worth is in heaven. It's what you did with what you had. And God has given some of you 10 talents and he's given some of you one. He's given some of you five minas and he's given some of you one. Take your one, take your five and invest it in God's word and God's people and loving your neighbor. And I promise you one day you'll be a bazillionaire in the kingdom. The woman who gave two pennies, Jesus said she gave more than all the rest, right? She's great in the kingdom. She's great in the kingdom. That's what we're after. Because this don't matter in the end. And in the end, you know, when you finish this game, what do you do? You pack it up, you put it in the box until you bring it out and play it again. Here's the thing about life. You only get one life. There's no, there's no second game. There's no second game. Use your life now for what matters. Use it now. That's, think about that. Think about, remember we, we challenged you in the beginning of the year. Who's your one person you're praying for? That, remember we talked about who's your one? Who's the one person you're praying for? Who's the one person you're trying to have a gospel conversation with? You're trying to, to invite to church or to your group. Who's your one? That's a ripple. That's an impact. That's eternal. Let's, let's not forget those things. That's what God's calling us to do. Invest, not spend. Stop worrying. Start prioritizing the kingdom. And all these things, they'll be added unto you. Let me pray. Why don't you stand? Again, I don't know where you're at, maybe you're rocking like docking with the kingdom. Maybe, maybe this has been a little bit of a wake-up call. Whatever it is, man, get, let's get real with God. Let's own, let's take the test, the treasure test, the eye test, the Lord test. Where are you at? And if you find yourself failing, then let's, let's turn from that and let's start. Let's start today, right? Don't, don't be like, yeah, I need to do that and then leave and then nothing changes. Let's really invest in what God says matters because one day, maybe today and maybe a thousand years, he will return. The trump will resound, the Lord will return and you, uh, we will forever be with the Lord. And I promise you, anything you do for him now, you will not regret forever and ever and ever. Let me pray. Father, thank you for the reminder of what matters. And I just pray for us as a church that not we feel guilty, but that we would be excited that we get to invest in something that matters something that lasts and that you've invited us into that, that you actually want us to, to, to lay up treasure, that your desire is to say, well done. And so just whatever that looks like in each of our lives, help us to be faithful because he who is faithful in a little will be faithful in much. Let us evaluate where our treasure is and where our heart is. Uh, and if it's not where you want it to be, Lord, it's a great opportunity for us to turn to repent, to own it and to trust that you Uh, will lead us. So I just pray you would. I pray that we would seek first your kingdom and your righteousness and that all these things would then be added. It's in Christ's name I pray.